My name is Dr. Tram Jones. Starting in December 2019, my wife and I lived in Haiti. Recently, given the current insecurity, we are out of the country, but we continue to support and work with our partner clinic, Lesquati Moon, with its 53 employees on the ground in the city of Quadibouquet, Haiti. As we consider what to do in Haiti with the current crisis, we should at least take a detour to look at how military interventions across the world have worked. In Haiti, of course, we're talking about sending outside foreign forces into Haiti to quell the violence and suffering. But when has this happened in history? Well, it's happened a dozen or so times, and at best we can say the results have been mixed. Somalia, Bosnia, East Timor, Libya. And as I look at the list, the full list, the first thing that strikes you is that the failures get much more airtime than the successes. And this, of course, is human nature. When we turn on the news, we see crimes and murders. We see politicians behaving badly. Rarely do community service projects and humble public servants get on TV. But when we look at foreign wars, what do we think about? Well, of course, we, we all think about Afghanistan and Iraq. Most people know those names. Never mind that the primary goal in those conflicts was not to relieve the suffering of the local people. But what about the quiet successes, Sierra Leone, Bosnia? And what about the times when the international community turned its head, like in Rwanda? There certainly is no unifying theory about how an intervention can be successful. Each situation is different. And my specialty is Haiti. So please take this podcast with a grain of salt. I'm not an expert. But I will do my best to talk briefly through several military interventions that have happened around the world, what the results were, and why. When we think about success in saving people by military force, we have to look at Sierra Leone. I would imagine that maybe only 1 in 20 Americans could identify where this tiny country of 8.4 million people is located. Wedged in between Liberia and Guinea and West Africa, this tropical nation descended into a brutal civil war in 1991. It was a disaster for the country. The rebels enlisted child soldiers, cut off the arms of civilians to create terror, and killed 50,000 people in a bid to take over the country. The movie Blood Diamond shows in detail how tragic it was for everyday people. After 10 years of fighting, the rebels advanced on the capital. Everything was in disarray. Britain sent in troops to help evacuate British citizens living in the country. But once the evacuation was completed they turned to stabilizing the situation. With a mere 1,300 troops, of whom, if you looked at it, only three or 400 were in the country at any given time, they tipped the scales in favor of the Sierra Leone government. The Sierra Leone army was exhausted, in many ways a lot like the Haitian National Police today. But with the British backing them up and coordinating, they found new strength and pushed the rebels from the capital. Shortly thereafter, 11 British soldiers were abducted by rebel forces. In a daring mission, the British rescued the soldiers. This high-profile operation caused the disintegration of rebel groups as they realized they could no longer operate with impunity. Over the next 18 months, the war came to a close and a transition process towards a democracy took place. Multi-party elections have occurred without interruption now since 2002. Now, what lessons can we bring from the Sierra Leone conflict to Haiti? First, there is value to the end of criminal impunity. And man, that is a mouthful. I don't think many Americans often use the word impunity. 
However, in Haitian Creole, we use the word a lot. In Haiti, similar to Sierra Leone, gangs currently believe they can act without repercussions. The top gang leaders in Haiti have remained in power for years without threat from the government. Civilians understand that gangs can terrorize them without any fear of retribution. But this veil of invincibility was finally pierced in Sierra Leone. And here's the secret. The British army rarely faced the rebels in battle. Only one British soldier lost his life in fighting. Most of the fighting was done by the Sierra Leone army. But when the British army was in combat, they absolutely dominated the rebels. Suddenly, the rebels realized they were no longer untouchable. And most importantly, the Sierra Leone army realized the rebels weren't untouchable. There must be an end to impunity in Haiti. As I said, it's odd to see this somewhat esoteric word show up so often in the Haitian lexicon, but it encompasses the feeling of helplessness for the Haitian people and their police. If an international force can provide a few high-profile victories, it can change the tide of crisis in Haiti. Second, any assistance to Haiti must have Haitian forces out front. As mentioned, the British rarely went into combat. Mostly, they backed up the Sierra Leone army. The local soldiers could go into battle confident that the British would support them. Right now, the Haitian National Police and their minuscule army are exhausted. When they're overrun by gang militias, they're all slaughtered. If we decide to put boots on the ground in Haiti, we should consider pursuing a similar strategy, rarely putting international troops into battle, but providing much-needed backup to the police. After all, the goal is to one day have the Haitian government stand on its own two feet, and that can only be done if they bear the brunt of the work. The next situation we should look at is Bosnia. People my age only vaguely remember Bosnia. When I was a child, I remember hearing the name on the news, but otherwise, I knew little about the conflict. So let's again do a rundown of the situation. And this is very complicated, so please realize I'm simplifying it a lot to make it more understandable. In the early 1990s, a large country in Eastern Europe, Yugoslavia, broke down. Its individual regions successively voted to become their own countries. And one of these was Bosnia. Now, Bosnia was an unwieldy new country. It had three major ethnic groups, the Serbs, the Bosniaks, and the Croats. Each of these ethnic groups wanted control of the new country. Quickly, the three groups began a full-scale war, fighting for territory. This led to ethnic cleansing and episodes of genocide. It was a humanitarian disaster. Finally, after the world watched the Serbs perpetrate two particularly brutal mass killings, action was taken. NATO led a bombing campaign against Serb positions, followed by a rapid reaction force of 4,000 troops. And this pressure led the Serbs to come to the bargaining table. After much negotiation, peace was signed. And the final structure was that the country would have two self-governing areas, one for the Bosniaks and the Croats, and then another for the Serbs, each with their own parliament and president. Over the entire country, there would be a three-person presidency, with one person from each ethnic group. And since then, Bosnia has enjoyed peace. In most cases, displaced villagers have returned to their homeland without violence. And without the drag of war, the economy has grown from a mere $1.8 billion when peace was signed to $23 billion in 2021. What can Haiti learn here? Haiti can learn the value of incremental progress. The U.S. impulse after a military intervention is to create a fully functioning democracy in our own image, preferably within a year. 
We enter a country and view an election as our exit strategy. And hear me, I'm not against elections, not against democracy. But what I am in favor of is making progress in a slow, pragmatic fashion. Remember two minutes ago when I was explaining that Bosnia had two regions with their own government and then an overarching government with three presidents? I know what you were thinking. What kind of dysfunctional system is that? What a terrible solution. But you know, it worked. Did it look like a mini-model of the U.S.? No. But if we had tried to hold elections in Bosnia one year after peace, it would have ended with one ethnic group taking control and the cycle continuing. We took the least bad option. And sometimes, just ending the violence is enough to start change. So in Haiti, we have to avoid the temptation to come in, hold elections, and declare victory. Likely what Haiti needs is a long national dialogue for a new Haitian system. And this needs to precede any election. But unfortunately, this can only be done if security can be assured. Now, we just looked at two instances that worked, but maybe we should address the elephant in the room. What about Iraq and Afghanistan? How do we avoid that? I'll address two points. First, these were wars with political objectives. Afghanistan and Iraq, they weren't humanitarian missions. The war in Afghanistan was launched to dislodge the Taliban because of their refusal to give up Osama bin Laden. The war in Iraq was launched to topple Saddam Hussein and in a search for weapons of mass destruction. Now, certainly, the U.S. military tried later on to win the hearts and minds of the people, but the people were not stupid. They understood that the U.S. had a political goal. However, if Haiti has helped, there are no real political gains. There is no oil, no arch enemy to topple. A second point is size. If the U.S. decides to send troops to back up the Haitian National Police, I don't think anyone is suggesting more than 1,000 soldiers. And their goal would likely be similar to the British in Sierra Leone, backing up the Haitian National Police. Now, in contrast, the Iraq War had 170,000 American soldiers at one point. Afghanistan had 110,000. I would imagine that in Haiti, it would be rather more like our current presence in Somalia, about 500 troops. And I would wager that most Americans don't even know we have soldiers there. Now, we've covered a lot of ground on this episode, but I think there are a few take-home points. The international community can use force to do good in the world. It isn't every time, but it absolutely can happen. In some way, the feeling of invincibility of gang leaders must be pierced. And if we engage, we must allow change to happen slowly and not expect Haiti to be the United States in two years' time. If there is one, a humanitarian mission to Haiti should be small and focused solely on the suffering of the people. If it remains true to these ideals, we can keep the trust of the people. And if we keep the trust of the people, we have a chance to do real good in Haiti. Thank you for listening. Every other Wednesday, we tell another story from Haiti. Our goal is simply to tell stories as we have seen them in the country. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history. There are many Haitians who can tell the story of Haiti in all its richness, and we encourage you to seek them out. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti, go to lightfromlight.me. Thank you, and God bless.